Hey, Tidbitters. Welcome to Audio Tidbits. I'm here for you today to bring you the best. I thought I would take a shot at being in charge. Gary's out someplace, and I kind of sneaked in here, and I'm going to get this done before he gets back, and that way it will already be done. That way you'll understand how it's done when a real pro does it. Well, yeah, I'm kind of bragging, but... I think I do pretty well, and you'll have to decide. What have I done? Of course, I've put in some of Kevin's fine tunes. And also, i put in not one, not two, not three, not four, but five little tips that you can use as you make a difference to people who make a difference to you. So, are you ready? Can we get started? Are we going to move on? All right, you know what I say. Do well, be well, and here we go. Consider this wisdom from Oscar Wilde, it is absurd to divide people into good and bad. People are either charming or tedious. Which are you, charming or tedious? As you ponder the answer, keep in mind Wilde said it's one or the other, there is no in-between. If you can benefit from a lesson or so from charm school, Professor Henry Frederick Emil taught, charm is the quality in others that makes us more satisfied with ourselves. Are folks more satisfied with themselves when they have an opportunity to spend time with you? If so, you may be charming. Another charm guru, Albert Camus, instructed, charm is a way of getting the answer yes without having asked any clear question. Do people try to please you without your doing anything specific to prompt their behavior? If so, you may be charming. Henry Van Dyke pointed out, there is no personal charm so great as the charm of a cheerful temperament. Are you usually cheerful and positive about people and life? If so, you may be charming. Marissa Crow, author of The Friend Factory and The Yes Bank, also stepped up to the charm school podium, you treat people the way you want to be treated. Are you nice to people when you want something? Sure you are. You're also nice when you don't want anything. You're nice every chance you get. You're also friendly. You speak to people you know and are interested in them. You talk with people and care about how they feel. Here's your special secret. You take your good manners along everywhere you go. Are you nice? Are you friendly? 
Do you take your good manners along everywhere you go? If so, you may be charming. And if not, you are, as Wilde observed, merely tedious. are like most everyone else, you don't think much about civilization. You may know that Arnold Toynbee said, civilization is a movement, and not a condition, a voyage and not a harbor. Understanding civilization and society as equivalent concepts, society is a made-up formula of what we are supposed to be, kept alive by those who believe in it, according to Christina Chirajanis. 
it may not be quite as malignant as B.F. Skinner suggested, society attacks early, when the individual is helpless, or as detestable as Edgar Saltus suggested, the progress of civilization corresponds with the spread of general nausea. Nonetheless, H.G. Wells had a point, human history becomes more and more a race between education and catastrophe. Alan J. Lerner wrote, They civilize what's pretty, by putting up a city, where nothing that's pretty can grow. They civilize left, they civilize right, till nothing is left, till nothing is right. And Alfred Tennyson wrote, I stood on a tower in the wet, and new year and old year met, and winds were roaring and blowing. And I said, O oh years, that meet in tears, have ye aught that is worth the knowing? Science enough and exploring, wanderers coming and going, matter enough for deploring, but aught that is worth the knowing. Let one more observation suffice for today, evolution made civilization steward of this planet. A hundred thousand years later, the steward stood before evolution not helper but destroyer, not healer but parasite. So evolution withdrew its gift, passed civilization by, rescued the planet from intelligence, and handed it to love. Richard Bach Samuel Johnson advised, when any fit of gloominess, or perversion of mind, lays hold upon you, make it a rule not to publish it by complaints. It may not be necessary to take the concept as far as William Osler suggested, learn to accept in silence the minor aggravations, cultivate the gift of taciturnity, and consume your own smoke with an extra draft of hard work, so that those about you may not be annoyed with the dust and soot of your complaints. Even so, Robert Hugh Benson went a tad too far in the other direction, I think that the insane desire one has sometimes to bang and kick grumblers and peevish persons is a divine instinct. The truth is W.S. Gilbert had a good point, oh, wouldn't the world seem dull and flat with nothing whatever to grumble at. Jane Wagner too had a valid point when she said, I personally believe we developed language because of our deepener need to complain. Complaining now and then is good for the spirit, if you don't overdo it. The challenge is knowing exactly how much to complain. You don't want to get carried away with consuming your own smoke with too many extra drafts of hard work or succumb to an insane desire to bang and kick grumblers. To avoid these extremes, follow this simple rule. When someone complains about you and is justified in their complaint, you accumulate one, one, complaint credit. You may then only complain when you have valid complaint credits in your account. One complaint one complaint credit. Naturally, the more perfect you are, the smaller your account, and the less you can afford to complain.
Do you worry about how others see you, what they think about you? If you give the perceptions of other people more than passing attention, Olin Miller had an observation worth taking to heart, we probably wouldn't worry about what people think of us if we could know how seldom they do. Be that as it may, Migden McLaughlin knew how to deal with any low opinions that come your way. Life marks us all down, so it's just as well that we start out by overpricing ourselves. Sonia Friedman was definitely on topic when she said, the way you treat yourself sets the standard for others. As W.C. Fields pointed out, it ain't what they call you, it's what you answer to. The famous Anon agreed, if you really put a small value upon yourself, rest assured that the world will not raise your price. Do you need more support before you take charge of your perceptions of you, of how you value you? If so, Andrew Carnegie has just the words you need. The man who acquires the ability to take full possession of his own mind may take possession of anything else to which he is justly entitled. As you take possession of that which is yours, follow the lead of John Powell, a person can grow only as much as his horizon allows. If your horizon includes the notion everyone is progressing faster and farther than you, simply set your sights higher. When your horizon is high enough, it is yours alone, just waiting for your arrival. The famous Anon offers what frequently passes for good advice. Don't think you're on the right road just because it's a well-beaten path, and most people are more comfortable with old problems than with new solutions. If you are holding back, or just another go-along, don't ignore Dr. Seuss' directive, be who you are and say what you feel.
because those who mightn't don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. John Locke was right when he said, new opinions are always suspected, and usually opposed, without any other reason but because they are not already common. You may want to keep the words of Herman Melville handy, it is better to fail in originality than to succeed in imitation. As Malcolm Muggeridge said, only dead fish swim with the stream. Should you find yourself hassled over your views and opinions, you can quote Fritz Perls, I am not in this world to live up to other people's expectations, nor do I feel that the world must live up to mine. Know that Buddha counseled, believe nothing, no matter where you read it, or who said it, even if I have said it, unless it agrees with your own reason, and your own common sense. Should you need a closer as you walk away, try this, my manner of thinking, so you say, cannot be approved. Do you suppose I care? A poor fool indeed is he who adopts a manner of thinking for others. My manner of thinking stems straight from my considered reflections, it holds with my existence, with the way I am made. It is not in my power to alter it, and were it, I'd not do so. Donation Alphonse Francois de Sade. Do well, be well, and catch you later.